0: friends welcome to the what's right show january 16th today a day after the iowa caucuses boy what a result sam rajofsky here news talk 840 kxnt yes that's the station the what's right show is the program brought to you by sam and ash injury law uh so uh, obviously you've heard trump did very very well This result cannot in any way, shape, or form be criticized. I have to say this. Funny, as I was watching the, what was it? The uh, first 3% of returns come in, and the networks began to call the race for Trump. And, uh, And you had, even on Fox News, you had people say on, like, Rove was saying, well, if he delivers below 50%, uh, there's you know concern about really about him being able to deliver the numbers that he is getting in the polls right? I told you this was going to be an expectations game. Can you believe the never Trump haters were actually going to sit Carl Rove at l, right the Lincoln project all those fools. We're actually gonna get on today. We're hoping the Trump would get I don't know forty eight percent of the vote in Iowa and and actually come out and say, well, he only got 48% and, uh, you know, shows that he's uh, performing below expectations. That's, that's a, listen, that is a, these people are, these people are bozos. So egg on their face. Now, a big disappointment, obviously for me, Vivek Ramaswamy, delivering exactly what he was coming in at in the polls. So, the polls are uh, very accurate on, on Vivek. And I will get into that, by the way. That is a huge topic. Because for those of you who love Trump, were not fans of Vivek, and were lukewarm, tepid, if you will, on my praise for Vivek Ramaswamy, I, uh, I, I trust I will redeem myself here in the near term when you realize what a powerful surrogate for Trump Vivek Ramaswamy will be. But we'll get into that a little bit later in the program. The big loser here, absolutely though, beyond any shadow of a doubt, is Nikki Haley. She, look, she was she was she was poised. She was poised to, uh, to to perform, uh, well. Certainly to outperform Ron DeSantis. If you look at the polling leading up to it, I think her aggregate number was. Uh, twenty somewhere around there, and uh, and Ron DeSantis was sixteen, so they they almost got when I mean, she came in at nineteen point one in the Iowa primary results, uh, and 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 got eight delegates right. She got eight delegates. Uh, Trump got twenty at fifty one percent of the vote. DeSantis, uh, DeSantis, yeah, he he's twenty one point two percent. Vivek Ramaswamy seven point seven, but uh, DeSantis came in second. That was a predicted. You know, sort of, well, a month ago, it would have been predicted that Ron DeSantis would come in in a healthy second place, polling around 20%. Again, very expected result. But we keep getting told that Nikki Haley is surging, that Nikki Haley is the great hope of the Republican Party, saving the party from Donaldus Maximus, the dictator to be. And uh, and and of course, uh, she's not bringing it home, folks. And that is in spite of the fact that she had Democrats showing up to vote for her. Well, very late in the day or game, same day voter preference uh, registration switches going on, people coming in and caucusing uh, for Nikki Haley. That uh, documented by folks on the scene. So, so that's that's it. That's the, that's the high-level view. Now, what I will tell you, a big component of this is how much these people spent per vote. That Donald Trump came into Iowa, spent very little time on the ground, $18.2 million, okay? Uh, so that was, Donald Trump spent, are you ready for this? $340 per vote. You break it down. You take what he, you know, dropped in the market. Iowa ad spend eighteen point two million divided by his fifty thousand some votes, three hundred forty buckaroos per vote. Desantis, Desantis spent thirty four million dollars. Every vote for Desantis cost him his campaign sixteen hundred ninety seven dollars and ninety six cents each and every vote. And then Nikki Haley, who came in almost exactly 100 dollars more per vote at $1797. And um and look, I mean that's the you know, and Nikki Haley's the one who's going after uh by the way, after after DeSantis for his campaign spending, which I think is absolutely uh absolutely hilarious. Uh and and that by yeah, she did. No, she did. She is she is criticizing DeSantis for going out there and spending too much money. And uh, yeah, this is what she said. The
1: best way to tell about a candidate is to see how they've run a, their campaign. He has blown through $150 million. I don't even know how you do that. Through his campaign, he has nothing to show for it. He spent more money on private planes than he has on commercials trying to get Iowans to vote for him. If you can't manage a campaign, how are you going to manage a country?
0: Well, hell's bells, woman. You didn't do so great yourself. And this leads me to a interesting question because many of you are wondering, okay, Sam, well, what now? Vivek looked at his results. He poured his heart into Iowa. He moved there. He outworked every single one of these candidates. He lost. And I'm telling you, he is a true believer, all right? He didn't skip and waste one second He bowed out, graciously accepted the writing on the wall, and immediately, immediately endorsed Donald Trump. But what are these two clowns doing, right? What's DeSantis doing? What's DeHaley doing? And the best part about this is that if the results were reversed, right, if Nikki Haley had narrowly edged out DeSantis for the number two spot, everybody right now would be crying for DeSantis to get out of the race. But notice something very important that's happening already now. It's going to go on for days. They are all going to be saying that, you know, DeSantis should, you know, DeHaley, look at her, how great she's doing all things considered. What do you mean? She came in third. Expectations were mega hot for her, right? She spent the most money per vote of the top three vote getters. And she's got nothing to show for it and and yet she's in the race and why and the answer is the establishment wing of the Republican Party and many Democrats would love to see a Nikki Haley president it's insurance they're also worried that Biden's a complete loser and that he would honestly at this point uh you could run a raccoon against uh against uh, Biden and 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 you know with a republican raccoon right how's that for some alliteration a republican raccoon could beat joe biden and they know this so the idea of getting a republican in there who's more palatable to the democratic liberal cause all on nikki haley is nice they like that which is why she's going to that has a big fundraiser happening at the end of the month share that with you big time donor there uh who's co-hosting a fundraiser since they're doing it the co-host is a is a major Democrat who never voted for a Republican, but he's lending out his his penthouse Manhattan apartment for a big fundraiser in support of Nikki Haley. Those are the kind of people that are enabling her to go and spend eighteen hundred dollars per vote in Iowa just to come in third and honestly they're they're willing to throw good money after bad just to sabotage the Republican primary. I don't think they're going to succeed, right? I'm not going as far as to say that this is, I think, some kind of a brilliant effort. Uh, I'm just explaining to you where her money is coming from. And that, I think, to me, says a lot about who she is as a candidate. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break. Let me take a break now, Robbie, because I want to get into this question of, of, um, of, of Ramaswamy and his speech and his tactics and... And I'll get, we'll get into Trump's remarks. And by the way, a number of the networks didn't even carry Trump. They wouldn't carry him. We're not going to hear from the dictator. I think this is what they're going to do. Imagine this. Trump wins the primary, wins the Republican nomination for president, and they will not broadcast him. And I think this, by the way, will be a absolutely, uh, 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 well, it'll, it'll be something that backfires on them as a strategy. One 100%. Sam Marchofsky, News Talk 840, TI. I am Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Here, behind the What's Right Show microphone, this hour brought to you by Sam & Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right.
2: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So
2: call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com.
0: Hi, welcome back. Sam Rojofsky here. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian here with the What's Right show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. So last night, Trump won bigly, the uh, primary, the caucus in Iowa. First uh, election this cycle, uh, primary election, and of course, it was a decisive blowout for Trump, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I also love the fact that Nikki Haley uh, did, uh, uh, well, the pollsters were wrong about Haley. They kept wanting her to surge. The The fact of the matter is the last poll, the Trafalgar poll, was within a point accurate exactly to, you know, how the top four would place. Trump at, you know, 50, I think it had him. And, uh, uh, yeah, it had uh, it had, um, it had Nikki Haley at, it had her a little bit lower, like at 18 but again, within a point, had Ramaswamy at seven, so this was this all ended up beco- being uh, eerily accurate. Uh, but the the polls before that, and, and particularly the aggregate polls, when you when you averaged it all, all had Nikki Haley doing wildly better. So. Trump, of course, uh, had a very gracious speech. A lot of networks didn't uh, didn't cover it. But uh, here are some moments that I thought were excellent. I
3: really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's— practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important, and I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon.
0: He is speaking not as a Republican in a primary. He is speaking as a Republican who has won the primary, who has cinched the required number of delegates, and is essentially giving an acceptance speech as the party nominee. He's not speaking to Republicans. He's speaking to Republicans, Democrats, in fact, all Americans. I could see why the media didn't want to cover the speech. Uh, Well, you know, I mean, it was, this is inconvenient. You know, Maddow, (laughs) yeah, Maddow, this is, uh, Rachel Maddow, the uh, information, one of the, one of the, one of the people at the government's ministry of information uh, said this about Trump and his victory.
2: The projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, We will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, The reason I'm saying this is of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. And honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. And you so his remarks so tonight shut will down. not I, air. You know what?
0: I'm not airing you anymore, Rachel Maddow. You are. This is. So Trump airs this really nice speech, conciliatory speech, in fact. and MSNBC won't cover it because they don't they, because they don't want people to see the real Trump. Yeah, they, they want the they want they want the version that they've constructed, right? That's what they want. So uh, by the way, I, I mean it, it was conciliatory. Robbie, it wouldn't, wouldn't you describe it as such? Look at this. This is him thanking the other candidates even the ones that were still in the race.
3: I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well, I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. I also wanna congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8% and that's a, an amazing job. They all did, they're very smart, very smart people, very capable people.
0: Yeah, this is very nice of yeah, sounds like an olive branch too. Drop out. We're all going to be good here. Uh I you know this is this is nice. This is very nice. What did Rachel Rachel Maddow called it? We're not going to broadcast this as a news organization. Uh we can't uh, knowingly broadcast untrue things. It's just like Joe Biden has declared Trump to be an ex, uh, insurrectionist and a and a dictator so that he doesn't have to debate him so too has MSNBC called him a spreader of misinformation which is pretty rich coming from <laughs> MSNBC and uh, and so that they don't have to have their version of Trump be challenged don't worry though Trump brought the fire to them Within his remarks, and perhaps Rachel Maddow was glad that uh, this wasn't airing with her face side by side on the screen.
3: When you look at what's happened with inflation, inflation is destroying, you know, they call it a country killer. Going back hundreds of years, Germany, countries that had big inflation, they become dead countries. We have to stop that immediately. And we want peace through strength. Russia would have never attacked Ukraine. Would have never done it. Putin and I get along fine. We get along very well. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. The fake news, which I would... If the fake news would become real and honest news, 90% of our problems in this country would be solved. They would be solved.
0: The more he speaks this way directly to the public, the better it is. Now, here's Vivek Ramaswamy last night suspending his campaign.
4: Now, this is a campaign founded on speaking the truth not just when it's easy but when it's hard and so i will stick to the truth tonight and this one's hard for me i gotta admit this but we've looked at it every which way and i think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight and the question then is what do we do that is right for our country as of this moment we are going to suspend this presidential campaign there is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country
0: yeah it was a tough moment you can imagine uh what that you know must must have felt like uh because i can tell you and i have been telling you the extent to which he worked his ass off okay I mean, this and the team and everybody, and he literally moved himself and his family to Iowa. He, he, it was, he put it all on the table there. And it didn't stick. It just didn't stick. Now, I'll, I'll give you some thoughts on that, of course, uh, after, the, after the break here. But this was the part of his remarks that were absolutely spectacular.
4: I am very worried for our country. I think we are skating on thin ice as a nation. Every one of us in this room has done our part to save this country. And I am so proud of every one of you who have lifted us up, but we're a campaign founded on the truth. And so that's why we've made that decision today. And I'm also making the decision that this has to be an America first candidate in that White House. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I... Congratulate him on his victory, and now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country.
0: Amazing, absolutely amazing. Now the response, of course, from from Team Trump and and his surrogates, different different people out there, has been ap- uh, heartwarming. Okay, I, I will tell you that people who yesterday were trashing Vivek Ramaswamy today are sounding a lot like me uh, in weeks and months past. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. The, the the this is the this is the guy that needs to be on the vice presidential ticket. I am I am telling you this. This guy needs to be Trump's running mate, and a lot of people are going to tell you otherwise. And I uh, you heard it here first. So more on this when we return. My reasons for it. Uh, when we come back, Sam Chavsky, News Talk Eight Forty KXNT. This hour brought to you. By Salmon Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up.
2: Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Salmon Ash 702-820-1234 or visit salmonashlaw.com.
0: Welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. here on East Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Rajofsky here, surprised, frankly surprised uh, at Vivek Ramaswamy's uh, expected, right, if you look at the, the polling, his predicted performance. And that's, I think, precisely why he he dropped out. He recognized that he was he was he, he was not. There's no path forward for him. There's no path forward for DeSantis either. Okay. There's no path forward for Nikki Haley. There isn't. And they'll continue to be in the race, and they'll continue to cannibalize each other's votes because at this point, that's they're splitting the anti-trump uh, support within the republican party but but frankly and this is important to say and somebody needs to say it okay even if you put both of them together they still lost to trump by what eight points so they're still losing i mean even if all of nikki haley's support and it and it would not if she were to leave the race it would not transfer to DeSantis and all of Desantis's support if he were to lose the race would not automatically go to Nikki Haley. But were it to the unlikeliest of unlikely circumstances, then they still together wouldn't have gotten it across the finish line. Well, let's put this a little bit into perspective too. This is just one caucus. It's the first um, election. Now, I think Nikki Haley and and DeSantis will probably perform Haley will probably perform better in New Hampshire because well because of course it's a more establishment republican state but it's clear that Trump is going to is going to perform very well and he'll deliver a win so right now a, a win in New Hampshire for Nikki Haley would be to come in second place and to begin to Uh, put put DeSantis in a position. This is what she wanted to do last night, and she didn't get it. She wants to put DeSantis in a position of forcing him out of the race so that she is the kind of last woman standing uh, in in, in the the fight against Trump. So DeSantis, okay, well, DeSantis... Listen, this is what he said last night in Iowa after delivering a second-place uh, finish at, you know, what, what is it, a distant second finish, 30 points behind Trump. That has to be said. Uh, here's, uh, here are DeSantis' remarks. They
4: threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much just through Iowa. The media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us,
0: we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. Robbie, getting your ticket punched, Is is that something similar to getting your clock cleaned? I mean, I'm asking because can you imagine coming in second, 30 points behind the first you know, place winner and crowing about it as a win? This is delusion. Don't worry, the crown of delusion does not go to DeSantis. Instead, it goes to Nikki Haley who had this to say following her dismal third place finish.
1: Tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race.
0: A two-person? You came in third. You, you... <laughs> you know, honestly Nikki Haley should apply for a job as a pilot at United Airlines. Or maybe with the FAA, I don't know, but you know, but and then she's talking about polling. I mean, there was the first contest where where a score was put on the board, points, results were put on the on the, on the board. All she's doing is talking about her polling. In particular, her polling against biden
1: all the evidence says that if it's a trump biden rematch it's gonna be another toss-up election it could go either way we could have more disputes over election interference and joe biden could win again with kamala harris waiting in the wings lord help us if that happens and then look at what happens when I go head-to-head against Biden.
0: Oh yeah, in the polling that is promoted by the inside the beltway politicos who want to see you go head-to-head with Biden, the whole thing's cooked. The reason that polling is, I'm convinced at this early of a stage, the reason the polling's coming out this way is to promote the idea to manifest the idea of, of Haley as the nominee. And, and, and she is very much the deep state favorite. And she's, right, right, right. She's, she's in the McCain honeymoon period. Uh, honeymoon period is uh, what producer Robbie's saying. Yeah, I, exactly. Need I remind you, everyone in the media, mainstream media and all the pollsters loved McCain in the primaries, okay? They loved him, all right? And then McCain became the nominee, and he was running against someone, I don't know if you remember who it was, but he had a funny name. And McCain runs against Barack Obama, and the next thing that happens in that election is the media turns on him and absolutely destroys him And the the media doesn't care that he's running with a woman, with a female governor, right? Has his running mate. Doesn't care about any of that. Nikki Haley thinks that she's immune from these vultures in the left-wing media because she's a woman of color. Girl, running as a woman of color. You're a Republican on the ticket running against a Democrat. It ain't going to go well for you. So she is crowing about her her results when the media has taken the softest of softest approaches with her. Just wait till they give you the post-honeymoon period treatment. Everything changes. Trump's numbers are far more real to me because they reflect the media already having hammered him since 2015, okay? This Trump's poll numbers have nine years of mainstream media agitation baked into them. Do you know a single person who between now and November is going to have a less favorable view of Trump than they have today? Because I don't. I don't think it's possible. The only thing that can happen between now and November is that whether it be the circumstances... So things getting much worse with Team Biden, the Democrats looking more and more absurd, pushing all this gender crazy stuff and DEI and endless wars and disastrous fiscal policy, environmentalism, etc. cetera. External factors versus, of course, you know, I, I, I mean, there's obviously with with, with Trump at, at this point, I think people are, going to look around them and say if anything gonna say all right, you know I I know what I know about him, I think what I think about it but my gosh, he seems to be the far better alternative here of the two people in front of me. that's that's what's gonna th- this is these touting Haley touting her poll numbers is the biggest red herring of of what is in the political news cycle right now. Mark my words. Yeah, yes, well, I, yeah, Pritzker, yeah, half the GOP voted against Trump. That's not, that's not, that's not how this works. Together, they only got Nikki Haley and Nikki Haley, okay, and Nikki Haley and and, and, uh, and, and DeSantis only got 40% of the vote. Yeah, Pritzker, Governor Pritzker of Illinois said this.
4: Almost half of the base of the Republican Party showing up for this caucus tonight voted against Donald Trump. Think about that. I mean, this is the most famous Republican. He's the guy who, you know, basically built the modern Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party that Democrats are running against. And half the people in that party didn't vote for Donald Trump. So I think that is telling. It tells you the weakness of Donald Trump and also the opportunity for Democrats.
0: Yeah, the opportunity for Democrats. I don't think the 7.7 percent that voted for Vivek Ramaswamy voted against Trump. What I mean by that is, you had when you take Vivek's number and Trump's number, that's your America first number. Those are the Republicans that we like. So I see that when I add it up and I see, you know, what did Trump do? He got, uh, what, 51% of the vote. Uh, and, and, and look, you, you know, it's, and you've got, you know, you've got Vivek at almost eight. So I'm, I'm seeing, what am I seeing? I'm seeing 59% of Iowans voted for America first. If I were a Democrat today, I would be freaking the heck out. Because contrary to what they are told on MSNBC, we as Republicans know what we want. And it is in that vein that I need to explain to you why Vivek Ramaswamy would be the best possible running mate for Donald J. Trump moving forward. Sam Burjofsky, News Talk 840. Don't go anywhere. I'll explain everything when I get back. This hour of the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Sam Arjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, host of the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Friends, expect in the next week to see something spectacular, which is, I believe, Vivek Ramaswamy will come and... Um, and activate as a surrogate campaign surrogate for the Trump uh, uh, campaign. So, um, and I say that I say this because I think he is. Uh, I think I look. He's already first things out of his mouth as he's as he's bowing out of the race. He endorses Donald Trump. I, I think that would. I think the way that can work is also his delegates may end up going to Trump, but I'm not sure what the, what the Iowa rules are about that. But um, don't quote me on this, but that's of course. But the immediate thing, of course, is that, that Trump gets the endorsement. And previous people who've bowed out of the race have done anything but endorse Trump. So, you know, it's just and I think Vivek is in this now. He's he's gotten a taste of it. He's picked up a pace. He may take a few days off, relax, kind of get, you know, unwind from this. But he wants to remain politically relevant and I believe he is has a bright future in the Republican Party no doubt. So what does he do? He's got the pace, he's got the tempo. Team Trump needs the help as this campaign will broaden. They need surrogates, and that's part of the game of figuring out who your VP is. because whenever you're, whenever you're running, you know uh, once, you, once you get the nomination, you, you need to find a vice president who's going to help you campaign. They need to bring votes, and they need to campaign. Now, I am confident. I'm telling you, by the way, Trump won huge with young people, old people, women. He did very well with women in Iowa. We'll see how it develops. But Vivek Ramaswamy has an ability. He has an ability to speak to younger voters. He's activated younger, not even Republican, but activated younger voters and gotten them politically engaged. And it's... It's something I'm convinced could bring vote. So what we're going to see, I think, is you're going to see Vivek out there campaigning for Trump. You're going to see Trump, and he's already begun, Trump saying very nice things about Vivek Ramaswamy, and this is, you know, to be expected, particularly with that endorsement. And then we're going to figure out if the two of them have some chemistry. They may not. But if they do, yeah, I'm just... This is a guy that would, this is a guy that brings something to the table. What, Carrie Lake or, uh, you know, Christine Nome, or uh, I, who, who else is Tulsi Gabbard, been floated recently. I realize Trump's going to say, I want a woman, I want somebody who looks good. And, and, and Vivek Ramaswamy, God, he's, you know, he's an Indian guy, all right? I get it. He doesn't look the part. But I have not seen anybody running as a presidential candidate in my lifetime with this level of intellect, capacity to strike down the mainstream media, uh, 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 the narrative, to uh, fight absolute idiocy, be so brave to walk into hostile rooms and try to change minds. You can't ignore this. And what, what I will say about Ramaswamy is he did a lot in a very short amount of time. Six months ago, nobody even knew who he was. Six months ago, Trump was a household name internationally. It's hard to fight against that. It's just one-on-one marketing. I mean, it's, it's you know lightning in a bottle created and you're running against a force of nature, which Trump is, but he, he's got the name already made. And of course, of course, I I will say this, Trump is the person who, from the beginning, realizes that Vivek defended him on the Republican side. You can't underestimate this. From day one, Ramaswamy was out there defending Trump. Every indictment, every lie, every smear, Vivek Ramaswamy was absolutely consistent in his defense of Trump. He was absolutely consistent in his support for January 6th protesters. He was absolutely consistent in his fight against the media. I'm telling you, this this is the guy we want. if 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 you like Trump and you want to see the America First policy, Move forward beyond Trump in future generations in this country. Ramaswamy needs to have a place somewhere, and I'm telling you, I, again, Vice President. I, I Desantis, by the way, I, I as much as Desantis is on my nerves right now. Ron DeSantis would make an absolutely spectacular Attorney General. Ron DeSantis should come in and be the attorney general and slay the deep state from within at the DOJ and the FBI. That should be, and define himself on that, right? Be reborn as, the, as, that, as that transformative figure inside the next Trump presidency. Uh, Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy comports himself and holds himself. I'm just imagining him, you know, four years older. It'll make a difference, right? He's 38, 39. Imagine him in his early 40s, like yours truly, for example. A few gray hairs, a little more gravitas. I mean, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. But what won't change and will only be added to is his immense brain that is able to process information, turn things around, debate on the fly, go deep, attack issues from within. I mean, he literally makes uh, a, a anyone who's really, I mean, a, a Nikki Haley looks like a complete lightweight next to him. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on this thing right now. I'm telling you folks, uh, it'll be, maybe it'll take a little while for it to manifest itself fully. But this guy cannot be underestimated. And I've never seen somebody, you know, yeah, perform at 7%. I got it. I understand. Uh, wildly disappointing. But it doesn't change the fact that he is a, he's a force of nature within the party. And, and, and it's, it, it wasn't his time. It wasn't the moment. And frankly, it's, not, it's turning out to be nobody's moment for that, for that end, right? To that end. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen for DeSantis either right now. It better not happen for Nikki Haley. My gosh, what an absolute, what an absolute mess. Okay, all right. More media reactions when we come back. Of course, most of them wrong. These people are unhinged. It's unhinged. And I sometimes think they just, they're reading stuff off the prompter. You know, they're sitting there in the studio and it was all written, you know, hours before. And all of a sudden things are changing on the ground and they're not reacting to it because they can't. So I, I think that's, you know, that's part of the issue. OK, I got to run. That's the music. Sam Marzowski, News Talk 840, KXN Be back in a moment.
2: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values.
2: So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com.
0: Greetings, friends! So happy to be with you here today on the What's Right show, brought to you by Salmon Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Salmon Ash 702-820-1234. serving uh, for uh, helping people with their accident injuries in California and Nevada. Excuse me, folks. I just had a sip of coffee here, and I'm uh, catching up. So uh, the the big news today, of course, is the uh, the caucus in Iowa. And the reactions, of course, to this were uh, predictably bad. One reaction, though, that hasn't gotten a lot of media attention, this one's interesting, The a number of people now who have some connections to the Biden White House are claiming that the mood there was funereal last night. Now, the reason for this, of course, is that no one they're truly expected that Donald Trump would be as dominant last night as he was. Remember, as everybody seeks to minimize Trump's performance, maximize Nikki Haley's performance, explain away a Trump's victory and giving it context, Trump shattered the biggest win in the history of the Iowa Republican caucuses. You know who had the last, by the way, the last record there was Bob Dole? Bob Dole, Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole, held the previous record in a contested Republican Iowa caucus. He got, are you ready for this? He had a 12.8% lead for a total of 37% in 1988. Let's contrast that with Trump. Trump got 51% of the vote and had a roughly 30-point lead. So Biden's looking at this, the Dems are looking at this, and they realize Trump is a tour de force. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the nominee. And they don't want that. So you can show me all the Nikki Haley polls you want and you can tell me how she's beating, you know, in a head-to-head contest, she's beating Biden. They would love to run against Nikki Haley. They can win against Nikki Haley. What they can't win against is Trump because Trump's going to bring out GOP voters. He's going to bring out Republicans. He's going to bring out independents. He's going, there's a righteous anger that, that Trump can tap into and he can deliver the votes. Nikki Haley can't do any of that. So the reactions that you see in the media and, and sort of in the, in the Democratic sphere have to be seen through the lens that this was a, this was a very dark day in on, on, Team Biden. Now, let's, that's sort of the good news for us. Let's get into some of, the, some of the bad news for us, okay? Yesterday, we learned, let's see, this was, yeah, Yesterday. The Biden-Harris re-election campaign announced that it had $117 million on hand. They're claiming, and I think this is true, that it's the largest sum for any Democratic candidate in history. At this point, in Q1, well, it was, excuse me, this was for Q4 of 23, ending basically, you know, on the 31st of December. They in just the fourth quarter raised most of that money, ninety-seven million. Now, You figure, you know, that's just what they're raising, right? That's not the Democratic Party. That is just what Biden-Harris reelection campaign is raising. It's spectacular. Now, it's it, it does. Sorry, it's that that number, that that bigger number, the ninety-seven million, includes what the DNC's raised. Okay. But this is an insane amount of money, and uh, it's—they're saying it's coming from grabs, but but they don't have to spend any of it. They don't have to expend any energy in the primaries, so the Republicans are bleeding out, fighting in the primaries. And this would be a compelling reason, of course, for why, if DeSantis and um, and, and, um, Nikki Haley could get over themselves, for why to get out of the way. And save Trump money and save the Republican Party money and build up a war chest to fight Biden. Now it's, you know, uh I, I I don't know. I I'm I'm just I'm just saying this is this is the this is the thing, right? Now saying that this vote yesterday was bad for Trump, like Governor Pritzker said, right? I played this a little while back. No, Pritzker said that that Trump was you know the trump had half the republicans basically voted against trump it's an absurd statement because this is by far and away the best result of any republican in history in iowa in an uncontested election in excuse me in a contested race meaning there wasn't an incumbent and this narrative continues to get out there these democratic talking points that, that trump somehow lost but us but privately i think they're freaking out Privately, they're very worried. So this morning, Joe Scarborough uh, gets into this a little bit. And it's, you know, th- this is just, this is, this is the kind of silliness that I don't think uh, is going to go very the far. The
3: fact yeah. that Donald Trump has 50% of Republicans not voting for him. And as Steve Kornacki yeah. said, one third hating him in the state of Iowa. In the state of Iowa. You know, right. we can all sit here and and you know, put on sackcloth and ashes and 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 moan about Donald Trump getting 51% of the vote. Got to say for people who actually want to win general elections, that's not good news. And again, just again, let's sit, ask what Barack Obama would have gotten if he'd done the same thing and it would have been in the high
0: 90s. Yeah, he was running in a which one? You mean the in, when he was running for re-election? You get high nine. Nobody gets high nineties. This is this is insane. You get high nineties when you're the incumbent, when you're running essentially unopposed. Yeah, I realize that. Yes, yes, yes. I get it. Um, Biden is running with some opposition, but they're not even. They're, it's, it's not significant at this point. Yeah, I, I, th- th- crazy stuff. So, all right. So here's, uh, by the way, Lawrence O'Donnell, primary voter saying that uh, think Haley has poisoned the blood of our country. This is some of the stuff that that uh, airs out there is supposedly uh, quality uh, journalism. Listen, eighty
2: one
4: percent of Republican primary voters and caucus participants agree with Donald Trump that immigrants are poisoning the blood of this country. That means that eighty one percent of the Republican primary electorate believe Nikki Haley has poisoned blood and is poisoning the blood of the United States?
0: Um, I, what? <laughs> so 81, 81% of the Republican primary voters think, and by the way, the poisoned blood thing, what is this referring to? This is, this is well, we're we're kinda going off the comments of, of, of uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and others in the Democratic Party who have openly stated that the purpose of, of having mass immigration to this country is to change the racial makeup of this country deliberately, by by you know, by hook or by crook, by even by encouraging felonious behavior. That's the root of this. And it's an undeniable strategy. And and so this is what Lawrence O'Donnell's referring to. And Joy Reid doesn't push back at all and continues uh, this train of thought. You
2: must understand that the Republican base is overwhelmingly those people. Mm-hmm. It's white evangelicals for whom supporting Trump is a matter of faith. It is a matter of their religion. It is a religion. And therefore, Nikki Haley is unacceptable for the reasons
0: Lawrence has just said. She is one of the people poisoning the blood of the country. Oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. All right, so, yeah, so the, and this is, again, they're talking her up as somehow this holy victim of Trumpism. So Nikki Haley responds to Joy Reid, gives her a layup. Um, this is, this that's that's the layup, right? So this is, uh, this is the response here from Haley.
1: Joy Reid lives in a different America than I do. I mean, yes, I'm a brown girl that grew up in a small rural town in South Carolina who became the first female minority governor in history, who became a UN ambassador and who is now running for president. If that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. Are
3: you involved in a racist party?
1: No, we're not a racist country, Brian. Our goal is to lift up everybody, not go and divide people on race or gender or party or anything else. We've had enough of that in America. I don't want my kids growing up where they're sitting there thinking that they're disadvantaged because of a color or a gender. I want them to know that if they work hard, they can do and be anything they want to be in America.
0: Now, this is the problem with Nikki Haley. It's words matter. What she said here matters. When she says that she doesn't want her kids sitting there thinking they're disadvantaged because of a color or a gender. She's fundamentally out of touch with where most of us common sense people are because based on what's going on in the here and now and present, my biggest fear, frankly, for example, for my daughters, is that they would think they would be advantaged somehow, unfairly, because of their gender. That's the problem that we have right now in America it's reverse discrimination that's the problem we are promoting people who are otherwise not fully qualified for something simply because they are female simply because they are a certain color or certain background And that is inconsistent with our Constitution with the values of, of what you know what our country was built on so this is funny, Haley gets a, an opportunity here, given these insane comments on MSNBC to say exactly that, you know, f- being, being female or being, being, it doesn't really matter, I, I don't know, I've done okay, but I'm running as a, I'm running as a, as a qualified person for this position and, and, you know, obviously this country isn't raised, you know, I was able to make it, but she can't stop talking about herself in these same exact DEI terms. The Democrats use themselves. And that's the problem with low IQ conservatives. Putting that in parentheses, right? Or uh, quotes, conservatives. Because low IQ conservatives will accept the premise of the left. They'll accept the fact that we are, you know, are, are a country that needs to get past racism. They'll accept the premise that we need to promote Minorities and promote women and promote people based on their background into positions. We need diversity, that it's a goal, and they'll use it. And Nikki Haley uses it, and it's the number one thing that absolutely disgusts me about her. She ought to be running as the best person for the presidency and make that case. If somebody asks her about what's it like being a woman, because it doesn't have anything, any bearing on this. I'm the best person for the job. Leave my gender out of it. But she cannot stop talking about being brown. She can't stop talking about being a female. She can't shut up about it. How many times did you hear Vivek Ramaswamy talk about his race? Pfft, that's my point. Sam Rajovsky News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, uh, is Biden going to get it, uh, himself across the finish line? That's a big question everybody's asking. Sam Orjowski here, News Talk 840, KXNT, he was uh, chatting this morning with, with Alan Stock. He emphatically believes that there is no path forward uh, for Biden. I, and, and look, I think, I mean, I, Biden's deteriorating. There's no two ways about it. For him, though, as long as he is alive, I think he's going to stay in the race. He, He's—I—I I, I gave you the numbers. He's one hundred seventeen thousand uh, million, excuse me, in uh, fundraising. He's ahead of any Democrat at this point, the stage in the race, and he absolutely needs to stay in it because his life depends on it, literally. I've never seen a president who needs for his own personal security to stay in office. Because the minute he leaves office, if he gets investigated, if there's a Democrat that comes in that maybe is less likely to protect him, somebody he doesn't trust to have his interest at heart, Biden could end up being exposed to a far more hostile Department of Justice, an attorney general who actually does his job, a real a real special counsel assigned to investigate what went down in those Obama years. And all of a sudden, he's got a mess on his hands. Tax issues, the whole nine yards. It is a mess. So if you're Joe Biden, and better yet, if you are his family that are around him, then you're you're encouraging him. To say, listen, hang in there. Be there. Stay in power as long as you can. As long as he stays in office, he gets protected, and he's able to skirt a significant amount of responsibility. So th- this, I'm giving this to you simply as a, a little bit of a you know an an idea what I think is is um, is motivating them. Now, Tim Waltz, who's the Minnesota governor, uh, went on to Meet the Press on Sunday and again defended. Uh, this is another defense of, of Biden's age, uh, and these were the remarks. I just want to play because it's fairly indicative now of what the uh, what the sort of messaging is on 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 the subject. And I I, I think you know I think well it's it's, it's going to be now, Robbie. Which clip is this? Because I don't I don't have it. I have it as eight here. So I think this is. Um, I don't know which clip. We gotta, I've, got this, I've got this loaded here somewhere, but I, I don't have it in front of me. All right, we'll play that in a moment. But here's what he said. He said something's got to be said about his age and wisdom and results matter. And it goes through his politics. It goes, I think as we all get a little older, you know, we get a little wiser, things like that. Look, age is the red herring here. It is not the operative issue. It is his dim- diminished facilities. Faculties, excuse me. That's the problem. Biden right now is not all there. There are people who are in their nineties who are sharp as a tack. Now, should they be? You know, should we be voting for them for president? That's a separate topic. But when it comes to comes when it comes to, when it comes to the, the, this idea of electing Joe Biden, the real problem is going to be that going into 24 of the election, every Democrat I know who is willing to speak to me off the record says that they are absolutely terrified with what could possibly happen. that they realize that he's not going to be able to campaign, that he realize they realize he's not going to be able to, uh, to he's not going to be able to debate Trump of course is why everybody in the media is saying that Trump is beneath the dignity of the office of president for Biden or anybody else even them to play his speeches because he's that beyond the pale and all the exaggeration of Trump being literally Hitler or Stalin or whoever their Franco, Mussolini all put in one is all being done in order to make it far easier for team Biden not to have to debate him you will know when Biden is about to get dropped. You will know when they're ready to jettison him when they publicly begin to talk about this and don't hold or hold water for him anymore. That's how you're going to know. It hasn't really started. There was a flare-up maybe three, four, five months ago, and then it died down. So I, it's you know, Biden's going to remain in the running until he either drops dead or the machine turns against him but so far nbc msnbc cnn they're all supporting him they're all saying nice things overall for him and that's you know that's the you know that's the thing so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I just, I think he's good. I, I, I'm just telling you, I, I could see very well him limping across the finish line to November and, and remaining, remaining in the race. It's more likely than not. He's not just suddenly, the point is he's not just suddenly going to wake up next month and go, you know what, I, this just isn't for me. Because the minute that he does that, it's it's he loses right now his the power of Joe Biden is not that he's a first term president. The power of Joe Biden is that he is a first term president who has the possibility of getting a second term. The minute he says, I'm out, he becomes a lame duck and loses functionally 80 percent of his power. Very dangerous stuff. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Be Right back after these messages. Don't go anywhere, folks. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up.
2: Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamandAshLaw.com.
0: Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Now, one of the things leading up to the caucuses yesterday in Iowa that, of course, turned out to be wildly successful for Donald Trump was a piece, piece and this was NBC News. It's unbelievable. This piece came out on the eve of the Iowa caucuses on Sunday. Fears grow that Trump will use the military in dictatorial ways if he returns to the White House, was the title of the piece. And the premise of it was, basically, that were Trump to return to the White House, the military ought to not listen to him should he give orders This is a endorsement for future acts such as those done by people like Mark Milley when he was Joint Chiefs of Staff. Where he basically admitted to not listening to Donald Trump's orders when he gave them. Where he said he would, if Trump gave, for example, an order to do something with China, first confer with his counterparts at, you know, over over there with the Chi-Coms. Milley said that this was some of the most wild stuff. And anybody else, if a Republican, somebody, look, if uh, if, you know, if Donald Trump was going around encouraging Biden, uh, you know, uh, appointees to disregard the president, particularly. Disregard it, uh, the president if they're in the military chain of command I mean he would be called an absolute insurrectionist and you know the, well there's people have come out of the woodwork to say that officials actually lied to Trump about troop counts in Syria. Trump was looking to wind things down and they just lied to him flat out lied to him there's no there has not yet been any accountability for this and yet instead of there being accountability for what was done in the first trump term we now have uh, news people as august and respectable as nbc news wink wink telling us that war trump to become president again we ought to right they are people within the military and within you know, the military chain of command ought to disregard him. Quote, a circle of appointees independent of Trump's political operation steered him away from ideas that would have pushed the limits of presidential power in his last term. Trump has raised fresh, fresh questions about his intentions if he regains power by putting forward a legal theory that a president would be free to do nearly anything with impunity. By the way, that's what his lawyers argued in court. Yes, in the narrow framing of how to deal with it. And they made the argument that you would do an immediate, you would have to first remove the president from office as the Constitution calls for. And then that president could be tried criminally, but only in that order. This is bananas. Not saying he could do it. you just saying how he would be punished for doing something like that. Now, bracing for Trump's potential return, a loose-knit network of public interest groups and lawmakers is quietly devising plans to try to foil any efforts to expand presidential power. Isn't it funny how the Dems want massive presidential power when their guy is in the White House? And then magically, they want to shrink that back down the second an independent Republican gets in. Those taking part in the effort, there's people working there. NBC literally is admitting to us that people are planning to do this. By the way, you want to talk uh, subversion of the Constitution, a threat to democracy? You want to talk about insurrection? I mean, I, I, I don't know what this is. So those taking part in the effort told NBC News they're studying Trump's past actions and 2024 policy positions so that they'll be ready if he wins in November. That involves preparing to take legal action and send letters to Trump appointees spelling out consequences they'd face if they undermine constitutional norms. I think the only undermining of constitutional norms is that you have deep state actors looking to undermine Trump even even at the hint of him possibly returning to office. Remember, this was written before the results of the election yesterday uh, were known. This is absolutely banana stuff. And by the way, this is why Trump is, I don't know if it's DeSantis or whoever, tr- Trump's DOJ needs to be cleaned out top to bottom if he doesn't do it if he goes in soft he will be screwed and his term will be absolutely stymied he cannot underestimate the dedication of these people within the workings of our republic. This group is called Democracy Forward. It It's nothing to do with democracy. This is like when China calls itself the People's Democratic Republic, right? It's not, nothing to do with, uh, with democracy whatsoever. They want to subvert democracy. They don't care that we will vote for Trump. In fact, they're worried that you and I will have our votes be heard, that Donald Trump will be in the White House, and they know better for the country than we do. That's what they want. They're literally telling us this. And it's coming from the same side of the aisle that continues to preach to us about the importance of preserving democracy. What the hell is democracy to them? Is it one person, one vote? Or is it them getting their way? And if they don't get their way, Or if they cheat to get their way and we criticize it, that's called subversion of democracy. I think uh, if anything's going to happen over the next year, aside from Donald Trump winning the general election, I think it's going to be that these people will be so desperate to stop him that their TDS will be so strong that they will uh, they will do things that are manifestly stupid and they because they got away with it for so many years because the last go around they were the heroes they wrote the history on it nobody challenged them they will be emboldened to be far worse and far more dangerous and if Trump doesn't surround himself with dedicated Dedicated, smart, capable people like Vivek Ramaswamy, for example, he's going to be SOL because th- these the knives are out, and they're already they're already setting the groundwork to, to to obstruct his term in office. And every time they use, and I'll tell you this, every time they use the word a word like constitutional or democracy or norms. They don't mean those words. That's not real. That language, that is fake language used to trigger emotional responses. But what they're actually planning to do is to cancel your vote. Because if you vote for Trump, that's not what they want. And they will always get their way. So this election, it's not just about voting for Trump. It is making sure that if Trump ends up in the White House that he's able to affect his policy and not be obstructed by these lunatics inside Washington. Sam Rojovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, seven zero two eight two zero one two three four because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rojofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Listener Thomas uh, responding on Twitter to at what's right Sam. That's my Twitter handle. I am so much agreeing with what you're saying on the radio right now about the importance of Trump cleaning house the minute he gets in there. He must not take them lightly. Thomas, I think, quite honestly, if we go back to if we go back to 2017 go back to the beginning of Trump's first term so much of his problems that he's in today is a consequence of him underestimating just how demonic the Washington swamp is i think he did now i'm my hope of course is that he My hope is that he is now very aware of how badly he underestimated it all. Uh, And that's certainly, I would think he would get it, given that he's got four high-profile cases against him, one civil and three criminal. These people are looking to put him into prison for the rest of his life and take away hundreds of millions of dollars of his wealth. I would think Trump now would realize that the left is playing for keeps. Now, I say here on the What's Right show that uh, we're common sense conservatism, and conservatism, I take that quite literally, okay? You're not going to hear squishy stuff here. I, I'm, I'm a principled guy, so I want to, on, because of those principles, I want to see Trump succeed. My hope and you know, desperate hope is Trump wins, and then when he wins, that he's effective. But in order for him to be effective, he's going to have to fight these lunatics. And they're already getting ready for him. I saw some reporting here that Trump was seen limping out of an event, that he looked tired. Well, yeah, no crap, he looks tired, of course. Got four cases against him. He's fighting to stay out of prison. He's running a campaign. It's it's, you know, I think, you know, I think that that, that that it's of course it's taking a toll. But he can't he he can't go back into the White House and be the deal maker that he wanted to be, right? 2017 I'm going to meet with Schumer, Pelosi, we're going to come to compromises. We'll think, you know, it's going to work. We're going to you know, get goodwill moving. Remember all that? There's no goodwill with these people. They're they're lunatics. They're 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 literally looking to annihilate you. I'm speaking to Trump here. They're looking to annihilate him. And NBC, this was the story I was reading from just before the break, NBC has written a piece two days ago where they're, they're you know, they're because Trump's a dictator and he's going to be a dictator, if he comes back to the White House, we need to be ready and basically do what Flynn and uh, Espy and Esper and, and, uh, and all these other people who are strong enough to, not Flynn, excuse me, Millie. Oh my gosh, terrible mistake. He should have ha- hung on to Flynn. Remember when he let Obama convince him that Flynn was trouble? That all happened early, early in his term. First term in early 2017. So Trump slowly got rid of all the people who were telling him the truth and and ended up with squishes. Can't underestimate how dangerous these people are. So, uh, yeah, and, and so the, the critical hires, of course, I'm not talking about who the Secretary of Transportation is, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. The critical hires will be the Secretary of State. That person has to be a change agent. They have to go through the Department of State and clean it up. I would start by firing anyone basically from an Ivy League school. That's what I would do. If you've been at an if you've graduated from Ivy League school in the last 30 years, you're done. Out the door. I would <laughs> yeah, I mean for starters. That's a hornet's nest, okay, of of by the way, of people that are fundamentally hostile to an American first agenda. The second place, of course, and I'm. Mean, it's not in any particular order of importance, but I'm just giving you the ones that are important. Is the DOJ, and it's in its entities, right? You've got the FBI, right? If you, if the DOJ is not purged of people who have acted in the past demonstrably acted in a way inconsistent with the Constitution, who have sought to prosecute only conservatives and target only conservatives those people all have to be removed and Trump can't just go into this thinking he's going to he can't just go into say, win the election and go alright What's us sing kumbaya and let bygones be bygones and move forward and maybe that's the one thing that worries me a little bit from his speech that he gave yesterday because it was almost too conciliatory and when he gets into office, I don't want him to be so conciliatory because I think, I think the rest of his four years are going to be an absolute disaster if that's what he does. Yeah, and none of these people ever got punished. They need to be prosecuted. They absolutely must be prosecuted. Milley ought to be prosecuted, court-martialed for what he did. There's no question about it. And that's, that's um, you know, that's, that's just, that's, that's it. And, and, um, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, so I'm very, well, what will be very interesting to see is what Trump does with his vice presidential pick. That's going to be the absolute first indicator of where his head is at as far as what governance looks like in his second term. Because he, if he picks some good looking babe, you know, is going to be you know, window dressing for him and look good and, you know, and, and, and be a pretty face on Fox News, I, it's just a bad, bad idea. If he picks Nikki Haley, I'm telling you, it's, I, I don't know what I'll do, but it, it's not going to be a great day here on the radio. I'm going to be despondent. And he needs fighters. And for all of you, again, I'll round out with this today. I know many of you didn't like Ramaswamy and think him abrasive. Give the guy a chance and give him a chance now as a Trump surrogate. So I think he's going to be extremely effective as an evangelist for Trump and Trump's going to need the backup on on the trail. And we as a party need conservatives who are smart and who are absolutely aware. I think that's the word, aware, who have their eyes open to the threat from within, and these institutions, right, when we talk about DEI and why it's so important to understand it and to fight against it, all of these institutions, especially those within our government, have been corrupted by this perverse ideology, and it's, it's rewarmed Marxism, that's all it is. So we have a bunch of Marxists who operate within Washington D.C., and a guy like Trump comes along and wins, and they're already now planning on how to basically prevent him from doing anything because their way, of course, as long as they get their way, everything's good and everybody lives to see another day. So that's that's the that's the story. So we'll see. And I, Trump says, by the way, he I, I'll have to tell you, he says that he already has picked his vice president. He already knows who it is, but he's not going to tell anybody. That's just Trump being Trump. He's not, I don't think he's being 100% serious about that. I think he's, I think, I think, I, I, well, until he publicly commits to somebody, it's not, it's not real. And I bet you he's, he's uh, changing his mind on this on a, on a daily basis. And I know I, I understand Robbie. He 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 made some conciliatory statements last night in Iowa after he won to Nikki Haley even, and to and to DeSantis, and he is the presumptive. You know, I don't want to say he's a presumptive nominee. That's not technically right, but he is looking like the, the guy that's going to win this race pretty 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 strongly. But I also think that. Um, Quite frankly, I I think that he is still a ways away from making a final decision on this. So we'll see how this all transpires coming up in the next few months. Please, please, friends, do not forget that here in Nevada, we have a primary election on the 6th. Trump's name is not on the ballot. All of you are freaking out and you're emailing me. I'm trying to respond as fast as I can. That is correct. He's not on the ballot because that election doesn't matter. The only election that matters is the caucus that happens on the 8th, February 8th. That's all that, that's the only election that's going to send any Nevada GOP delegates to the convention. And so please, don't worry, don't freak out. Trump is on the ballot, on the caucuses, and he's going to win. Sam Rojofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. The What's
2: Right show will continue tomorrow at 1. I'll see you then, folks.